Hello, welcome back to another Transfer Portal CFB podcast. We're reviewing week seven. As always, presented by No Context CFP. I forgot that part. I'm sorry. It was just that week seven was so dang good from start to finish, and we kind of knew that that was going to happen. It was Dan and I on last week's week six recap, and we were just talking about, like, this just feels like calm before the storm. Like, week six was all right. It was definitely – it was top two for the worst week of the college football season. We just felt like week seven's on deck. There's a lot of good games. Stuff is going to go down. And I tell you what, Andrew Strandan, stuff did go down. It was incredible. He had so many games that lived up to the hype 100%. I mean, Alabama, Tennessee, of course, is a humdinger. USC, Utah, humdinger. We're going to talk about all those games. But you had a lot of uh, secondary games that were really interesting as well. Uh, Maryland, uh, Indiana came down the wire. You had a little drama there with, uh, you know, Talia getting injured and uh, James Madison uh, and Georgia Southern was one of my favorite games of the week. That was incredible. A shootout, two quarterbacks operating at the highest level. So uh, a lot of great games at every level and every time slot too. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even mention the fact that Auburn had a seven point game with Ole Miss going into the fourth quarter, which by the way, we might talk about this a little bit later. Ole Miss, what the heck are we doing? Letting Auburn stick around. Come on. It's Auburn. Robbie Ashford's their quarterback. He sucks. Just demolish them, Lane. Dude, I'll keep saying it about Ole Miss. That's who they are. They're not a team that's going to blow people out. Like, they're going to blow out the, like, ITT techs of the world. Yeah. They didn't even do that, though. I know. Like, this is just a team that is going to let their opponent linger around. And they're they're kind of just going to play with their food. Then they're going to eat it all eventually. But it's not going to be pretty. They were up 21 nothing. They should have. They should have put them away. That type of play gets you picked off. I know it does. Like, I I think Ole Miss is very susceptible. That is not the word I should have chosen. I'm not spelling it because we have football to talk about. S-E-C. That's how you spell S-E-C. You know that? (laughs) But look, dude, seriously, Ole Miss has to stop. Like, this is is just the brand of football that this team in particular plays. They're going to be susceptible to getting picked off by someone. I don't know who, but I – is this a top 10 team? Not, not at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think anybody thinks they're a top 10 team. They they have a lot of good players. Quinshawn Judkins, very good player. the best running back duo in the country. Yeah. I mean, Trio, if we want to throw Ulysses in, in there, but he doesn't really, you know, do much, if anything. But, you know, they don't really need him when they have, you know, Quinshawn and Mr. Zach Evans. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're still more real than – uh, Syracuse and Illinois. I'd take Ole Miss over both of those. Oh, well, I don't think they're in the same tier. I don't think anybody thinks they're in the same tier. Okay, and if okay. they do, they're stupid. Yeah, they <laughs> Sorry, are not man. in the same tier. And Illinois is not in the same tier as Syracuse. But I don't That's talk just about wrong. They're, they're the same not, team. They're just not. You know who ain't the same team? UNC and Duke, because they straight up hate each other. And that game was unbelievable. Game and it flew under the radar. Of course it did, but it was a, a very good game. Drake May, the touchdown pass he throws at the end, w- was just great. But Riley Leonard just keeps showing, like, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's great. I'm, I'm pretty sure they let that 
Dreg May, that final touchdown stand on the it's too cool to overturn it rule. Possibly. Uh, so technicality there. Possibly. That was a really fun ending uh, yeah. victory belt, of course. If, if you put Drake May at a power program, and by power, I mean like one of the top 10 programs okay. in the country, you give him a good defense, he's in New York. Guarantee it. I, yeah. He is going to be in one of the most electric Heisman races next year with him, Quinn Ewers, and Caleb Williams. I think we need to make a 30 for 30 documentary about how insane that race is going to be. It's going to be going down to the wire in a conference championship weekend. Probably all three teams will be in their conference championship. It's just going to be elite. Get ready. But obviously we still have the rest of this season to talk about. We'll see if, if viewers and, and Texas can escape next year's uh, hose job that they're going to get every single week from big 12 refs on the way out the door. Uh, that oh, that might, is that true. Might sabotage that. Are, are, are we going to get a repeat of the Bo Pelini versus Texas? Are we going to get something with Sark? Ooh, something to spice up the documentary. <laughs> Hollywood is drooling. This is great, great commentary there, Andrew, sir. Thank you. Maybe yeah. I can voice it. I've maybe. been told I have a good voice for this kind of stuff. Now I don't, yeah, maybe. I mean, look, they, they need to get started on that 30 for 30 now. Maybe we start making E60 about this Mac season, though. There were some absolute bangers in the Mac once again. How about Toledo? They were down 21 nothing in the blink of an eye against Kent State's electric offense. It's a, it was what, a 31 28 Kent State Leah at half. Toledo wins that game 52 31. <laughs> Toledo's so good. Daquan Finn is him. Daquan is unbelievable. Seven total touchdowns. Seven total touchdowns. And yeah, he, he's very good. Obviously, Toledo had a 24 to nothing second half. And I apologize. I apologize to everyone if I sound sick. I'm very sick. But I, I want to get flowers to Mark West Cooper real quick. 31 carries for 166 yards. When you're getting fed like that, it's sometimes a little bit tough to keep up that level of efficiency on the production. 31 carries, 166 yards. Very good for him. Two touchdowns. He's been one of the more slept on running backs in the country. I feel like we don't really talk about the guys on the Mac because there are some talented running backs in the Mac just because of, you know, in that region. That also has the Big Ten. There's an, a bunch of great running backs, but we need to start talking about the Marquez Coopers because they're very talented. Yeah, and even with Cooper, it's even more impressive that he gets this volume and has gotten this volume his entire career. And you remember, Marquez Cooper is five foot six, and he's taken like 30, 35 carries a game plus some touches in the receiving game. Marquez is one of the most like just unique players in this sport because what he could do the di the dynamic ability he brings to is unbelievable uh i can't lie to y'all i didn't watch a second of the wisconsin michigan state game <laughs> i watched one play of it flipping channels and said no i'm i know we're moving on this game i don't, I don't need this in my life yeah this game fell victim to being in the worst slate it possibly could i don't know anything that happened aside from you know a few touchdown plays and then Whatever that weird field goal uh, snafu was. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about that game a little bit more later when we have one of our segments. Oh, you're sick. J just how am I sick? You well, gave us a bunch of props. No, no, you're literally I'm, sick. I'm, yes, I'm quite literally sick. I, I've been sick for the last week. Yeah, which, by the way, if you ever say, you know what, let me go outside when the seasons are changing, all the trees are beautiful, a little frost in the air, get ready to be sick for two weeks. 
stay home and watch well, college football, you're saying? I'm saying stay home, watch college football, you know, get some wings. You know what? Having a little bit of stomach cramps is better than being sick from the upper body for two weeks. It sucks. Much like Notre Dame. Much like <laughs> Notre Dame. How the heck do you lose to Stanford? Well, Stanford sucks. So does Notre Dame. Notre Dame. It's, so it's the suck bowl. Who sucks more? You know how much of an idiot I feel like after you guys were roasting me for my upset special show picks? And at the end of the show, I said, okay, fine. You're going to make me say another upset. Give me Stanford over Notre Dame. Why didn't I just roll with that over the Penn State one? <laughs> I don't know how Ooh. much we're going to talk about Penn State. They got manhandled. It's ugly. I mean. That was embarrassing. Yeah. Penn, Penn State definitely got manhandled. We need to give so much props to the Michigan offensive line, the reigning Joe Moore award winner. They're going to go back to back. That offensive line is insane. Like we can talk about Corm and Edwards all day. They're talented running backs. That offensive line is moving mountains with how good they are. I think one of the beautiful things about college football is you have, you know, 131 teams across the country, just in FBS, not even counting the lower teams, uh, divisions that we're going to talk about too. But you have, you can go from watching a team dominate playing the way Michigan does. And then five minutes later, you're watching a team dominate the way Tennessee does. And I think that's really cool. Super unique. Not something you really get to see in the NFL. I'll tell you what. Well, I mean, another thing that's pretty rare in the NFL is points or good quarterback play or good defenses or consistent coaching or, you know, one great thing about the college football scene right now that the NFL doesn't have is the lack of Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was good, Andrew. So that was good. Uh, y'all want to I mean, I, I, I can't say that. I can say it right now, but in like two or three years, when Cliff Kingsbury is coaching the Houston Cougars, I, I, I will not no longer be able to say it. Don't, don't bring that. Don't, don't, don't put that thought Big out 12. in the world. Don't do that. I want to talk about no, Alabama, no. Tennessee, not Cliff Kingsbury making the comeback. <laughs> a comeback just for the, the come up from Houston. Talk about Alabama, Tennessee, please. <laughs> I mean, that was an incredible game. I mean, it was everything you could have wanted and more. And uh, not to take it away from Hendon Hooker, who is incredible, of course, but Bryce Young, man, what a player, what a talent. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that could step into Tennessee and, and do what Hooker does. He's a, he's a great player. You can't argue with him. But, uh, you know, we talked about Drake May. He could be doing what Hooker is doing, you know. Jalen Daniels, he could be doing what he's doing. But, like, there isn't a guy that can do what Young is doing right now. And uh, he's perfect for the team. And Tennessee was getting great pressure on him. Jeremy Banks, they were calling his name out a lot. He's a, a really physical pass rusher. And Young was just a magician back there. Watching him, like, like teleport away from sacks just to zip a ball downfield is uh, it's just a treat. So, yeah, Young's Of course, then the receiver probably dropped it. Young's escapability is just – it's almost unheard of what he's able to do. Yeah. I think anybody that watched yesterday's, yesterday's game and doesn't think Bryce Young's the best quarterback in the country, I, I have one question for you. Who on earth can do what Bryce Young does? Whoa, Bryce Young is – Gotta get out of here. <laughs> oh, boy. You want me to start that rant right now, Blutman? 
you could go for it, but I just hope the, those listening know I am 1,000% being not serious. Yeah, I, we, I all, hope, we all know. I, I would hope they know. And if they don't I know, then... Really you know what? I'll, I'll save my thoughts on Will Levis. That'll be a separate video that comes out <laughs> in the near future. But Bryce Young, he's a magician. He's, he's Houdini. He is Houdini. I forgot who made that call with Lamar Jackson, but he is genuinely Houdini behind the line of scrimmage. He's insane to watch. He bails out when the offense, you know, has poor play calling or poor scheming. And he's just able to make everything work. Wait, 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 wait. He bails out Bill O'Brien? Oh, yes. One million percent. (laughs) My gosh. Yes, yes. I needed you to put that together with what you were saying. I mean, if, if you want it to be a clip for Twitter, man, Bryce Young, he does everything in his power to bail out the absolute ineptitude that is bill o'brien calling an offense it is disgusting to watch okay that's been clipped yeah that was good thank Thank you you. no thank you thank you uh you're welcome Uh, thank you dan i didn't do anything i'm just glad to see a game like this live up to the hype i was thinking about it all week i'm not even a fan of either of these teams you know honestly i should hate tennessee more as a division rival there from missouri We've had some weird games against them over the years. I was I was happy. I got chills, you know, seeing them win that game and uh, being in involved in emotional wins like that for teams. You know how that feels for the fans. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look. First off, big ups to Dylan for calling this Tennessee upset back in August. That was an absolute laser from him. I feel like a. I, I thought there were going to be more of us at the transfer portal CFB who were going to pick Tennessee. I know that there were a few of us. This, it kind of just felt inevitable. Like, it just felt inevitable. Like, this was the time Tennessee was going to do it. And then we are watching the game. And all I could think of was, okay, there's this moment. There's that moment. There's this other moment. There's this penalty that's being called in a bad situation, blah, blah, blah. This is just, it's impossible to beat Alabama. It's never going to happen. And Tennessee did in just another fashion of where Alabama's special teams failed them once again. And that's a common theme in 2022. I mean, I for 10 years. Yeah. I wouldn't even say it was just the special teams. That may have been the most undisciplined performance we've ever seen from a yeah. Nick Saban yeah. team. I mean, we, we could talk about penalties all day. It wasn't even just pe- that they were getting pen- penalties. It was the way they were getting penalties. False start after false start after false start. Pass interferences that it's fourth down. You cannot get a pass interference in that situation. You know, you think, oh, we need to make this play. Just don't pass interfere. Just don't. I would rather put the hands of the game in the Tennessee offense rather than the refs because the refs can actually force something to happen. The now, refs granted, blew their the Alabama defense can force Saturday. themselves to be bad, but there is just too many penalties from Alabama, too many times that Tennessee's getting free yardage or too many times that Alabama's holding themselves back. It's bad. It, this was the perfect storm for Alabama to lose because there are like three penalties. If they don't happen, and I'm not going to play the ifs game because if you play the ifs, it's not good for you in the long term. But if like three of those penalties don't happen, Alabama probably wins this game by two possessions. One of the biggest plays of the game that no one's going to talk about because Tennessee won the game is the failed run that I don't know what happened in the exchange between Hooker and the running back. 
I, I think the running back just didn't want to take the ball. I think he assumed Hendon was going to pull it and nothing happened. So the ball just dropped and it was an easy run in for Dallas Turner. But that could have very well been the Tennessee moment. If yeah. Alabama isn't so freaking undisciplined, that could have been the iconic. This is Tennessee. This when is that, the Tennessee that we've known for the last 15 years. When that happened, I thought it was over. So, I, well, one million, yep. I was like, well, there's the dream. There's the dream dead. It's like Kansas. The dream's it's, dead. It, it, it just felt like Tennessee was like approaching the peak of the mountain or whatever. And then the fumble happens and they're slowly falling down. And then Dallas Turner scores and he's celebrating. And then you're so all the way at, yeah, you're all the way at the bottom of the mountain. You're at the base. How the heck are you going to climb back up? You got this guy named Hendon Hooker and this guy. Mm-hmm. That caught five touchdowns on Shout six out receptions. Hyatt. Look, I don't know That's anything insane. about Hyatt's recruiting, but I know this. For the last, like, three or four months, I've just seen people that would tweet out, like, Jalen Hyatt's recruiting process, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't make sense to me why Alabama stopped recruiting Hyatt, blah, 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 blah. Why did Florida stop recruiting Hyatt, blah, 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 blah. There's, just, oh, there's all these tweets out there about Hyatt's recruiting, uh, like, you know, experience. I wish I, I wish I had knowledge on it. I don't, but my goodness, good for Tennessee to find good for Jalen Hyatt to put this game out there. Uh, obviously we need Cedric Tillman to get better quickly mm. and everything, but when guys go down, it's that next man up mentality and Jalen Hyatt has taken full advantage of that. Uh, he is, He's swimming in that NFL money soon enough because of what he's been able to do. And as expected on this Saturday, Hendon Hooker was the first stamp, the the guy, the the first, you know, yeah, he was the first stamp for for a ticket to New York. New York. We knew it was gonna happen. Hendon Hooker punched his ticket to New York. He's the easy yeah. Heisman front runner. I feel like he was all right, the Heisman front runner, but people didn't want to say that because he had the T on his helmet. Not sure what was going on there. We look past that. He's the obvious choice for Heisman right now. Good for him, then. This is what I would relate to being 2.5 times what Kenneth Walker versus Michigan was last year. Now, <laughs> we, we can talk all day. Oh, but Kenneth Walker didn't make New York. That's because New York is stupid. Kenneth Walker should have been in New York. Hendon Hooker should be in New York, will be in New York. And I agree with Liam. He's the clear Heisman front runner right now. I don't think anybody is in the same echelon. Stroud, very good. He hasn't played Alabama. When he plays Michigan, that can be his Heisman moment. This was the Heisman moment for Hendon. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it just, I just felt like, you know, three weeks ago, like he was, like, to me, it was him and Caleb Williams. And, and, and Caleb's not going to be in that same talk anymore because of the Utah loss, whatever. But I think it's been so clear for a while that Hendon's the, the front runner for the Heisman. Like, if it's, if, as far as Tennessee goes, that's what we said, as far as Tennessee goes, it's because of where Hendon is going. Straight to New York. Tennessee's going to be on top as long as Hendon keeps balling out. I, I disagree with what you said earlier, Dan, about like playing a Jalen Daniels uh, out there in Tennessee. Hendon has just taken such a leap this year. Just the the progression that he's made, his development. It, the, his yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe not Daniels, because I was just trying to think of like non- Stroud Williams viewers tier and he he his name came to mind but he's 19 Hooker is 26 there's so much difference there in terms of uh yeah. experience and the leadership I mean Hendon Hooker is a 
great leader in that Tennessee locker room. You heard him after the game, like, hey, you know, on to the next. We got UT Martin next week. Okay, man. Okay. Enjoy yeah, it, man. Celebrate. Ball, Smoke Balls cigar, fans man. don't care about the Alabama game. They're looking forward to UT Martin. And UT it's Martin. very <laughs> easy to understand why with that in-state rivalry that's so bloody and everything. But, no, I mean, Hendon Hooker was born after the moon landing. He's 24 years old, and he balled out. I mean, he's, I, I, I think he's he's almost irrepla- irreplaceable. I know, obviously, like, yeah, there's Bryce Sanders, C.S. Travel, whatever. Tennessee fans won't want another guy at quarterback. I know that for certain. <laughs> well, yeah. I know Virginia Tech fans also would like him. Oh, yeah. Not we could crack the Burmeister <laughs> was a moment, but. Yeah, Justin Fuente is furious right now. I really took Braxton Burmeister over Hendon Hooker. Oh, I see why I got fired. Tough look. It, it is. Also, one more thing on this game before we probably move on. I love I, I love Tennessee. I, I, I love Tennessee. I'm not going to adopt an SEC team because it's always, you know, one school for me. It's all I need. But if I were to, it would probably be Tennessee. Just the passion that those fans have for their team – you know, looking at the videos that were after the game, whether it's the fans storming the field or the entire Tennessee locker room, we don't give a about the whole state of Alabama. It's just the entire thing was amazing. The cigar smoking, just coming iconic. out of the stadium. That picture was unbelievable. Also, playing Dixieland Delight. Oh, was they stole it? Alabama can't play it anymore. Alabama cannot play a song about Tennessee. It's about Tennessee. Yeah, but the band's called Alabama. But the songs <laughs> they can't about... they cannot play it anymore. Tennessee straight they, up took it. They they took it. They stole it. If you steal a school's song, <laughs> you should have the rights for the next year. You play for the rights to that song. Ooh, nice little new Ooh, rivalry like trophy. New who needs oh. a trophy when you can play for some music? Man, all those all those schools nicknamed the Tigers will be playing tough games for Tiger Rag. <laughs> Auburn and versus LSU. Tiger. Can't wait. Ooh, LSU versus Clemson. That could... I mean, but seriously though, like the scene at Tennessee from the time that you just woke up and started your college football Saturday to the time that you closed your eyes and went to bed, watching that saga unravel from the start of your day till the end was unreal it was it's just it's no other sport has this like this doesn't exist in other sports this is pure of a scene as you're ever going to see mm. taking the goalposts and just putting them into the river to lie there forever <laughs> is one of the coolest things in this sports history uh this is the third saturday in october that i don't think any of us are ever going to forget like even if Maybe Alabama fans are going to forget, but like Tennessee fans or non Tennessee fans, it doesn't matter. Like, this was one of these special moments in college football history. It feels like this was, this is going to be one of the best games that we witnessed all year. That's without a doubt easy to say. I think it's game of the year. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just saying at this point, it's game of the year. But if there's something in like three weeks that tops it, like, it can't be surprised. This is college football. But the thing is, I think that this rivalry, is so tense, even though Alabama's made it one-sided over the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And just the amount of passion that goes into this, it's the third October in, it's the third Saturday Uh, in October. It's it's the third October, 2022. It's the third Saturday of October, 2022. It's the same dang thing. But I, I can't think of many rivalries 
where it could be that one-sided for that long. Yeah. And then that passion of a fan base to finally get their win to kind of say, Hey, we weren't just good because we didn't play at the Alabamas. We just played the Alabamas and we just put Alabama back to Alabama, took Alabama's song. And now we are Tennessee. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to give that why this does become game of the year is because of the atmosphere and everything from start to finish again. But dude, also some other things quickly. Alabama again, weekly reminder, start playing your better receivers like Isaiah Bond. Kobe Prentice finally got volume and that nine catches for 66 yards. Get him more looks. Mm-hmm. Let's find ways to get shots. Preston on the field. Jameer Gibbs. Holy smokes. Tough look. Why is it a tough look? The drop. Oh, the That's drop. That's a tough okay. drop. Yes, but I'm focusing on the positives, Andrew. So this guy yeah. is unreal. He is a talent. He, he is very talented. That's a bad drop. It is. It is. It is. And but I it understand happens. it's it's nitpicking. It's, it's one play. It's a big play. It's a big play you got to make. No, he definitely does, but like I don't know. I it's just for me, it's just like thinking, dude, if he was still at Georgia Tech and he was still oh doing gosh. the things that he's doing and nobody would ever be talking about him because of the uniform he's wearing, it's just so sad and such a statement of how fans view, you know, NFL talent evaluation or just view players being good as if where you play matters. Like that stuff's all so garbage, dude. But hey, my my prediction when Gibbs hit the portal was to go play at Tennessee. Mm. Well, imagine and, if he was in that offense too. And it is also funny because the commentators were talking about man, if there isn't a clone of Alvin or if there's a clone of Al- Alvin Kamara, it's this guy. Tennessee versus Alabama. Kamara played at both schools. Yeah, that's also funny. Uh, dude, I don't know. That was just an insane game, and it's kind of funny to say that. I mean, there were. It's not funny to say. It's sad to say that the Oklahoma State TCU game was in the same time slot, and nobody cared about it. Nobody, I yeah. could not care less about what happened <laughs> in that game during that time frame. I had it on a second screen, mm-hmm. and I feel like I barely watched it. Like I, I know what happened storyline wise. But I can't like recall very many plays from it. I just the what was going on between Alabama, Tennessee, and of course James Madison, Georgia Southern. Those yes. two were dominating me. My, yes, my, uh, North Dakota North State, State, South Dakota State. Yeah, my setup was I had the Bama game on the main TV, uh, and then I had the TCU Okie State one on the left, and I had the NDSU South Dakota State one, and uh on my on my computer but that game went so quickly i was able to watch what seemed like the entire second half of the james madison game too uh i honestly forget what game i had on the other tv but it doesn't matter talk about this oklahoma state one and and dan i felt the same way it's like i know the exact storyline that happens in this game i watched a significant amount of the this game i still know a lot of the plays but happened but dude Nobody ended up caring about this game. It's so sad. This game was elite. Yeah, and it was another in that great slate that met expectations. Double overtime, correct? Or one yes, D- double overtime. Uh, Quentin Johnston showed again that he's a star, just an absolute stud. And uh, one one thing that I did think was kind of funny was um, when they were rushing the field. I saw tons of like you know point of view videos on social media this weekend of like 
people uh, oh, running gosh. on the field and they're great. Just all over all the different field rushes. And uh, with yes. TCU, I feel like I saw yeah. a lot of ones that were like, like they were like kids on the field, like junior hires and, and like kids, like middle schoolers. <laughs> and I was like, like weird. But then I was also like, Hey, that's really cool. The seeing, you know, that's how you build that next generation of fandom. Like I didn't care that much about college until I went to college. So to see kids get invested in the school early and, and have a good time. I thought that was really great. I thought um, you were going to, sorry, I thought you were going to bring up the girl who was like dra- yeah. in a boot and like dragging her way onto the field. I did not see that. That was hilarious. Oh. Now, see, I, I don't know how you do that because I know some stadiums have stairs to get onto the field, but I, I feel like the only way to get onto the field is jumping down. And I feel like that would not yeah, be maybe somebody good. Yeah, maybe yeah, probably. Yeah, because I don't don't think it's a good idea to jump on a boot. (laughs) From a from a football thing that I was thinking about is, uh, uh, you know, Richard Johnson. If you guys read him at SI Split Zone Duo podcast, he he has this whole thing: don't overreact to the scripted drive. Don't overreact to the scripted drives. Meaning that first quarter, and Oklahoma State came out. It was fourteen nothing right at the bat. They were just had early control of this game, but really didn't do too much. TCU great adjustments. So that was a, another great point. And they do not overreact to the scripted drive. You will be a smarter football fan if you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, this was – it was like you turn this game on, you're obviously watching the Alabama-Tennessee game, and then you kind of just look over and it's 14 nothing Oklahoma State and then it's 24-7 Oklahoma State. And it was like, well, that stinks. Uh, right. This game's probably not going to live up to the expectation that it should, or whatever. And then TCU was slowly able to just claw back, and they did it with key stops and forcing some miscues. Like there was that punt, uh, muffed punt debacle that happened in this game, and then TCU scores fourteen in the fourth quarter. And you know, uh, the first three or four games of the year, whatever TCU was not getting Quentin Johnson the ball. Well. They're getting them the ball now. It's scary. It's really scary. Yeah, I I wish there was a way I could check quarter-by-quarter stats or quarter-by-quarter box score because I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch a second of this game, but I caught some of the key plays. But someone told me that Spencer Sanders went like 2 of 13 from the fourth quarter going into the overtimes. That sounds about right. Because he finished 16 of 36, which, by the way, awful – against a TCU defense that has not been by any means, you know, prolific mm-hmm. 16 of 36 from a guy that going to this game, no one really thought he would win the Heisman, but it was kind of cool to put Heisman hype behind Spencer Sanders name. That's a pathetic performance against a defense that once again, not that prolific. They have a lot of talented like DBs and everything, but it's just a group that can't sustain stops and can't, really defend the pass at the highest level or whatever but yeah Spencer Sanders started so hot and then in an instant he turned ice cold and he was a big reason why TC was able to claw back in it it's just so because Oklahoma State has like four very good receivers like John Paul Richardson might be one of the best WR4s in the country and again, someone that nobody talks about. This guy just does everything that's asked for from a receiver. He just does it quietly, balls out. He had a really good touchdown grab in this game. He only ends with five questions, uh, five questions, five catches. I'm just kind of questioning why, you know, I like again, I, I wish that I remembered exactly what happened, but 
maybe this was a case of Oklahoma State just again kind of what to, to what Dan said didn't have the ideal scheme like their scheme wasn't going late like the scripted drives and everything was really all that they were able to capitalize on that's not a good sign at all Is that it with this game? Yeah, I don't Sounds know that like much bad. I mean, who yeah. really watched this game? I, I know. Was on. I know. Yes, and NC State Syracuse was on too. That was the game. That was no on, one watched that, was on that game right either. Yes, that game sucked. You watched sucked. I definitely watched Syracuse NC State. I, I actually had watching, that game on too. That game sucked. I love watching Syracuse's defense. I don't care. Yeah, I would hope their defense looks good against. Without Devin Leary, that might be the worst offense in the ACC. It's not good. It's, it's not good. It is so bad. Virginia Tech still exists. Oh, and Virginia. Oh. Oh my gosh. Can we? Ask, why is NC State ranked? Oh, these voters clearly thought Devin Leary. Must Wait, are be they still ranked? ranked? Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's. That, Wait a, a minute. I saw that. Oh, they should not be ranked. Like, what are we doing? Yo. I don't know what's going on there, Andrew, but they're ranked for no reason. Uh, they're ranked twenty three. Hold up, Mm-mm. I'm they, gonna the only out. the only time, time that NC State was impressive all year was when they lost to Clemson. Yeah, I mean, just furthering the agendas that the AP poll is useless. Okay, it's literally that. just for our amusement and entertainment, and my entertainment is getting triggered at it. Okay, just to add on to it, Syracuse being ranked one spot ahead of Utah's, uh, it's just unbelievable too. Syracuse being ranked that high is insane. It is. It is. Uh, like, I'm glad we can agree on that. Yeah, I think Syracuse is a better team that people give them credit for, but they shouldn't be like, I think they should be bottom of the I teams. I feel like people are giving them a lot of credit though. I mean, maybe since it seems everybody in sports media like, did I, graduate from Syracuse. I wouldn't rank Syracuse ahead of Penn State. I I definitely did not. I I wouldn't rank Syracuse ahead of Kansas State. Uh, dude, I, I think I, I don't. I I don't think I'm not that high on K State. I'm not either, though. Like K State's very I, game game script dependent. If you yeah. get them behind, yeah, they got to play with the lead. Does Syracuse play UNC this year? I, the no Syracuse has a gauntlet coming up. Like they oh, like this has been a bad. gauntlet that they them and Illinois both have tough back ends of the schedule. Yeah. And we'll and as does Kansas, of course, and we'll see how they all like bounce bounce back, not bounce back, how they all take the Truck punches, through. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's better, but that'll like, be interesting to see. Because Syracuse could be like a nine-win team with some good and wins, and then Illinois could also be there. But I think they're more of like a team that only wins seven or eight. Are, like, are any of their wins good though? Like Purdue could Syracuse. end up being a good win, but that's it. That's their best good. win right now. No, in the Louis- yes, but the Louisville win is still good. I care no, it's about. Not. I care about when you beat a team and coming into the year, nobody had any expectations for Syracuse. What was their win total? Like three I don't think anybody had expectations for yeah. Louisville either, though. Of course, people still had expectations for Louisville. We just called them idiots for it. <laughs> yes. Okay. If we're going off of that narrative, then everybody's stupid compared to me. But I'm not going to say that because that makes me sound big headed. Right. Even though it's kind of true. 
it, it, ma- it matters when you it matters when you beat a team to be the look I they beat a bad NC State team but their offense still looked good against a very good NC State team like their offense is good enough with their like they have a stellar defense I don't know I'd like the makeup mm-hmm. of Syracuse I'm sorry and, they have which NFL is ironic dudes because they have the same defense. makeup as Illinois. No, they, they just have the NFL they do. dudes all over the defense. So they do. So so does Illinois. So Devin do. Witherspoon is yes, he not Devin NFL? Yes, he Sydney is. is Sydney not NFL? It's, we'll, we'll have to have the verdict out there. I think Syracuse has a lot more like true NFL dudes. Devin Witherspoon NFL Sydney yes, NFL, and also Illinois just has better trenches. That's for sure. Yeah, Syracuse's offensive line does leave a lot to be desired, and also with how but, he's been but playing. But I love, I love I'm taking Devito over Schrader. I'm taking Devito over Schrader. Schrader. No, you're they're the a, same guy. No. They're the same yes, guy. They are but the Devito, same guy. Devito doesn't really throw picks like that. Schrader had two picks uh, Saturday. Dude, they, yeah, but like again, NC State's defense is really good. Like so is Minnesota's. Hey man, you said you weren't. And I'm not saying up. that as a Minnesota guy. I'm saying that Devito didn't throw like anything bad. That was a beautiful game call from Illinois' offense. Maybe it was scripted, a la Richard Johnson theory. <laughs> I mean, scripted the entire game. If they scripted out the entire game, you know what? Fair play to them. <laughs> but, well, I don't know, dude. We can't. We have to have this argument off air. Nobody We've had it so many times. The I fact know, that you think that think Syracuse a... is that much better than Illinois is insane. They're the same team. I don't think they're the same team. I th- if they these two the teams played team. in a, if these two teams play in the bowl game, it's going to be the most dominant twenty-seven to six win you've ever seen. It would be a pick'em. I don't care what. What does that matter if it's going to it be means a that Vegas thinks they're the same team because they are the same team. I don't care what that, 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 that you know what you know you know that guy on Twitter that did the Padilla Iowa versus Petrus Iowa simulation we need Illinois versus Syracuse simulation <laughs> okay we should that's actually like we should do that. but uh okay I feel bad because I know that there are some Utah fans that are probably gonna be listening to this we should probably talk about Utah USC. yeah probably <laughs> probably instead this heated Syracuse Illinois rivalry that Andrews and I are starting USC Utah was unreal yeah I mean Syracuse Illinois isn't even like a real game it's not like they're going to be playing they're just no, basketball it's, schools it's like a celebrity boxing like, match that we're trying think, to set yeah. up <laughs> Uh, but USC Utah, um, it's a fantastic game. Another one that, that lived up to the hype completely. Uh, emotional, emotional ride there in Rice Ackles. Uh, great job by the coach. Uh, Dalton Kincaid got to shot him out. Uh, what was his final line? 200 something? 216 yards. 16 for 216 about that. He just did the job of both tight ends. So that was yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. Faith oh, was Lutheran it? High School, stand up. Shout out to Lukey. That's where Lukey on. Hell biggie. Did he know Kincaid? I think a little. I know. Nice. Uh, oh, wait. I don't know if I should. Eh, whatever. If, I you, don't say, if you don't know if you should say it, don't say it. Well, it was it was more a funny story, but yeah, let let uh, Lukey be the verdict for that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that was an incredible game. Obviously, very, you know, sad circumstances, but also a very, you know, trying to find out figure out the words for this a happy 
result for a game that meant so much to the Utah community. Obviously, Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan, rest in peace to both of them. Just also the helmets were insane for that. The entire night was amazing for the Utah community. Felt like they needed it after so much tragedy has hit their program. And obviously that team, those were two of their brothers. So obviously it feels great for them to be able to win for both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I feel like one thing I tweeted out earlier in that game and what I said on the podcast was, you know, I tweeted out after SC had started to get up. It was like 21 summer or whatever. And I was like, this has been Utah this year. They've just been so much softer on the defensive side. They've just been soft. They haven't really been, you know, they haven't been that Utah that we've become accustomed to. And then that tide just started to shift and we got into that third quarter and into the fourth and into the late game. The final drive that Utah just absolutely like it put SC into a padded cell on SC's final drive when SC was trying to go and get that field goal to possibly win it. Utah's defense did such a tremendous job in that situation. They showed great physicality. Their edge rushers were getting to the quarterback and everything. And then Good for the offense, too, to create that game-winning drive built off of toughness. How how did they have to end up scoring there with Cam Rising asserting himself as that alpha male, just that dominant dude that he wants to be where he's running over dudes and everything? That's how they got done. The two-point conversion call, I really didn't like it because I felt like Utah had enough momentum riding and everything. And just with Addison being out that Utah was going to be able to, you know, take the extra point here, shot it down on defense, get to OT and that's where they'll go. But I was wrong. Kyle Whittingham let him hang. That's why he was our coach of the week. That was an incredible call. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was a great call. Just make sure. I mean, USC has such a great offense, even without Addison, there's still so many playmakers across the field and, Williams is, you know, he's that guy. And um, just, you know, just take the ball out of his hands, go for it, go for the win. And uh, certainly considering, you know, the circumstances too, the the emotion pouring to that stadium right there. So um, yeah, obviously was, this is, you know, some process-based results. If you don't get it, everybody's yelling it's a terrible call. Yeah, I was, I, I, well, I I was very, I was very worried that they weren't, I was very worried that they're going to throw the ball and it was going to be some garbage like mm. we saw from a and I didn't think that they would go back-to-back rising keepers for the, for the, for the uh, yeah, touchdown to then cool. the two. I didn't think that would happen. So that's part of why I was hesitant. But, yeah, good for them. I, I think it may be an oversight on USC's part. Maybe I'm just absolutely wrong. I want to say there was only six in the box on that two-point try. When you have camera rising in the backfield, you cannot put a six box yeah. on the two-yard or the three-yard line. You know there's always that opportunity that he's going to take the snap, he's going to tuck it, and he's just going to truck it down your throat. I don't know why you have a weak box. I don't know. Why? Why? So, someone answer me because I'm getting annoyed. I don't know. I really don't remember, but I'm now just thinking back to the to the Florida game and, and how different things could have been if yeah. maybe – Maybe Utah and Rising Gallo more going on the ground there, but I don't know. Like, I, I I'm I'm thrilled for Utah. This was a game that I I didn't think you I, I would say for the last month I didn't think there was a chance Utah would win this game until triple zeros hit. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I I thought they bowed a lot of adversity and really 
thrilled for that program that they were able to, you know, do this on the night that they were honoring Ty and Aaron. That was that was really cool. A, a significant win for them. Just so good for them, man. Because this team is so much better than what a three than if they had three losses, team is just so much better than that, man. Like they they're a good team. The Pac-12 race is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and and SC gets a loss here, but they're still one of the top teams in the country, in my opinion. We'll see what happens to Addison, but that offense is wicked. Caleb, we were talking about Bryce Young's escapability and magician skills and everything. What on earth is Caleb Williams' movement when the ball is in his hands and he's trying to make a play? It doesn't make sense. He's a wizard. The throws he gets off downfield are off platform and uh, rolling, about to get hit, are incredible. Uh, he was great. Uh, USC's starters are a great team, but they just – that program have been bottomed out in recruiting for so long that I just don't feel like they have the depth to really Their to really truly be a great team room. just yet. Uh, you know, Riley will get that cooking with the recruiting and they'll get there, but right now I got them a notch below the other contenders. Yeah, I mean, I, th- their receiver room is just ridiculously deep. Right. Like, Taj Washington, whenever he's making plays, whether it's blocking, you know, or, or just making the catch and run, he's a stud. Uh, Mario Williams at 36.2 yards per catch, by the way, on four drives. The fact that he's their WR2 is just so scary. I just yeah. – I know a team comes out the loser in this game, but I don't feel like either team lost. Like, I just feel yeah. like either uh, SC was going to – I know they lose because of the circumstances and the scenarios and everything, but it just felt like both teams just played such great games, man. If this, if this weren't year one, I would agree, but it's like this is their first time in this regime being in a game like this. So it's like a house money kind of. You know, if this were year four of Riley and Heritage Hall, like you don't – you can't – you don't lose that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. I'm, I just think that, yes, the offense for USC is dynamic. That defense is awful. Like, we, we, we can talk all we want about the offense and we should because it's an electric offense. You, USC having that bad of a defense when they have the type of pull that they did in the transfer portal is beyond me. And I understand Lincoln Riley's, philosophy is never about defense it's about outscoring the team no matter the cost but that defense is atrociously bad and yes people say oh but they only gave up like 10 points to Oregon State they also got four picks now picks are sometimes you know that's good defense it's also other times well we kind of got lucky because the quarterback sucked and I feel like we're now finding that balance and the turnover luck USC isn't getting as many of those balls because now they're going to start playing the the top teams in the Pac-12. They're not going to play the Oregon States, the Washington States, even though they didn't get a turnover against Washington State. They, they just outclassed Washington State. When they play UCLA, that's going to be a game where that defense is really going to get tested. Yeah, I mean, the SC defense, like, they get cash. And as I've said, they're just so opportunistic. Like, they lead the country hey. in turnovers. So I think they have 17 or 18. Don't roll your eyes at me, Andrewster, because I, I'm I, agreeing I feel like with you're, you. I feel like you're trying to be nice saying opportunistic. We can say the word lucky. I, I mean, I'd rather use the word opportunistic, yeah. I, I'm, they, I'm they, fine I with think that they recovered they, 11 out of 12 fumbles. That's That's insane. That's insane. It is. Picks are picks. If you make plays on the ball, you're going to get some picks. But 
11 out of 12 is bad balances out. Um, I do want to say, too, on Lincoln Riley, this is where, you know, kind of the concerns come in with them, I guess, because of the defenses and everything. And, you know, losing close games like this, whatever, something he said was we were one inch away several times. And then he just added that they were close to running away with the game at several points. Oklahoma fans went to just extreme levels in the quote retweets on that tweet and just tweeting about Lincoln because that's something that they heard all the time when Riley was at Oklahoma, something along those exact lines, like words, like that's crazy. And then Riley also just called out the official eating and said it was really bad. It was terrible. We should have won. I mean, it was awful officiating, but you can't say it was the – it was it was both ways. Both like, ways. Yeah. There Utah was a and penalty USC. on 19 straight plays. I swear. Oh yeah, I remember sending out the tweet from the account where it's like Utah, Utah and USC every play, and it's just flag, 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 flag. And they every. weren't even good ones. They were guys making tackles, and Brock Hord was going to have an aneurysm. Oh. Can, can we talk about those targetings for a second? It's, it's, were it's this. It's this conference dude i I know they do but everyone wants to say that their conference has the worst officiating but no it's the pac-12 refs and that's been evidence is like 2012 or 13 or whatever where we're all on twitter complaining most bad clips stem from a pac-12 ref and most bad targeting calls are from this garbage conference i would say the pac-12 is the worst and Kind of a close second to the Big 12. The Big 12 is also the atrocious. So bad. And then you have the Pac 12 that like shares the rest with the Mail West, too. So the Mail wasn't really bad. But, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, really, really, really good win for Utah. Really good for them. They, they, their ranking is not, you know, where it should be. They're a much better team. Where are they? Like 16 or whatever. Is that right? Probably like 17 or 18, if I had to guess. Let me look real quick, but uh, yeah. I pulled up on my phone. I can, okay, I can okay. grab it. We'll wait on Andrew Stur to find numbers. I think it's sixteen. Syracuse is fifteen. Utah is twenty. No. Wait. Oh uh, no, that's last week. Why yes. is it showing week seven? Okay, ESPN app, please fix your garbage. Uh, you keep talking. We don't need. Yeah, that I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking. Oh, they're 15. Okay, they're 15. Yeah, 15. So Syracuse is 14. And Syracuse is 14. Are they the highest uh, two last teams? Uh, I would I have to guess. Assume so. Texas. Like, no, they're higher. Te- no, Texas is like 20. They are higher. Texas, Texas, Texas is 20. Kentucky is 19. Utah's 15. Those are the two lost teams. Yeah. Uh, look, before we kind of get into some other things about the slate, we do still have to talk about number one versus number two. South Dakota yeah. State, North Dakota State is so good. I, I mean, just I, I really wish I could have been up there for that game. That that would have oh that would have been good. Now, granted, I'm super sick. I probably wouldn't have been able to make it, but uh that, that game was something else. I, I still think they're the top two teams in the FCS. It's without a doubt. Like if this isn't the national championship game, then we are terrible like we're robbed we got we need to call the fbi because we've been robbed of something so valuable i I think the top three right now is sdsu you have to put one i would put two north dakota state and i would i would put jackson state three jackson state is murdering people it's it's bad what they're doing i think what they're doing is criminal offense in 17 states 
I didn't think that you were going to go up there and put Jackson State out there. I thought you might go say Incarnate Word, honestly. But they're probably top five. Yeah, like Jackson State is this is unheard of from an HBCU in this era. Uh, I can't wait to see them in the playoff. Like those they're not ga- gonna why HBCU made it last year, Florida and then yeah. Jackson State should make it. They won't they won't be in the playoff. We'll go to the celebration bowl. Oh god. Yeah. I hate that rule. But yeah. Yeah. I hate okay. It. I, I mean it'd be about- I mean, it's a, a choice on their part. It'd be cool to see them in the playoffs, but yeah. I, 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 I mean, feel they, like Dion so should choose the playoffs. I, that he's already getting a little hot water in those leagues for like stirring Not up. Not being swapped. And... What he's yeah. doing is great for them. It's phenomenal yeah, for HBCUs. I mean, I mean, again, I mean, as a white guy, I don't want to sit here and tell HBCUs how they should, you know, play and prepare their football, but. I feel like Eddie Robinson Jr.'s point was, you know, I'm here. I've been here my whole life, and I'm glad you're here and, and playing football and, and uh, you know, bringing attention to us, but also, like, uh, you know, treat it, you know, he's kind of, like, steamrolling through the league and treating people poorly, and um, I, I think he's rubbing some guys wrong in that league, it seems like. Eddie Robinson was, Jr. was certainly fired up. Yeah. So I think to then, like, um, take the – the tradition of the celebration bowl and, and you know turn your back on it in favor of the you know the espn you know playoffs or the the whatever would be kind of a, a tough look and kind of make their point for them so i don't again i, I this is not i have no connections to hbcu football i'm not telling you know i'm not saying what they should do um but i yeah. think that's kind of their angle no, I mean, I guess that's something that's interesting to keep an eye on. That totally slipped my mind that that's yeah. the decision that has to be yeah. made. That that stinks because this Jackson State team is they're good. Uh, yes, they're they're incredible. But back to the Jackrabbits and the Bison. That game was. I just I I I again want to say it. This game, I think, should be played on national TV, on like ESPN or ESPN2 on a Friday night every single year. Let this rivalry be seen by everybody, please. It's too good. It's too heated. It's too respected between the programs. The game was, I I don't know how much of it you guys watched. I watched pretty much the whole game, and I don't know. Like, when when, when, uh, South Coast Day got down was it 21-7 and then they were able to shut out NDSU in the entire second half. Yeah. That's a yeah. statement by their defense. And they they limited Hunter Lipke who was the best fullback prospect since Kyle Juszczyk. Aside from the 30-yard touchdown catch from Lipke, but Lipke's different. That's going to happen. But they limited him, him on the ground. Yeah, I watched it today on on replay on ESPN Plus and there were like a couple different swing plays where it looked like no, uh, North Dakota State was going to go up 28-7. Uh, there was a run that uh, Lipke was about to break up the middle, and the guy made a shoestring tackle. And then there was that pick in the end zone, and it was like all like just you know bad. inches away, yeah, inches away from blowing it open, and and kept it in shouting distance. And then uh, defense, yeah, was unbelievable in the second half. Yeah, yeah. I, we need to talk about North Dakota State's run defense for a second. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad, 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 bad to the bone. <laughs> Isaiah Davis and Amar Johnson combined for 26 carries, 200 and, if my math is right, three yards, and two touchdowns. North Dakota State, I want to say that's the second straight game that they've had a very porous run defense. I, 
I believe they had a very bad run defense against Indiana State last week. That's something that isn't going to be very good for you if you want to be a national title contender, seeing that you play in the FCS where there are those teams that run this type of an offense. South Dakota State also did this without one of their best players in Tucker Craft, who will probably be back within, if I had to guess, the next week or two. Yeah, because he's he, a dynamic tight end. He, he was changes the game. Playing. He was very close to playing. I also saw North Dakota State players dapping him up after the game. Just shows you how much respect there is in this rivalry. There's there's hatred between the programs because they want to be better than the either the other one, but they also respect the other ones so much that they realize that this is a tough matchup. I mean, this is the first time South Dakota State's won three in a row in this rivalry since 07 through 09. That's how good North Dakota State has been at at least keeping it consistent. And obviously they've had their stretches throughout the last 15 years. A great showing for South Dakota State. Obviously not letting North Dakota State score in the second half is a very difficult feat. Adam Bach is an NFL linebacker and their front seven with the experience that they have. Just a bunch of dudes, but you know, Noah Gindorf is a huge loss for NDSU. Uh, that that's tough for them. That you know his rehab just didn't go well or whatever, and that was kind of everything when he got back on the field. But once SDSU gets Tucker Kraft back, that's scary. Isaiah Davis has taken the reins of the FCS's number one running back. He's just a different beast. He goes on those Marshawn Lynch kind of runs over and over again where he's breaking tackles with these, like he's on Madden's arcade mode or some garbage. And then just that pick that Dan talked about, Cole Payton is NDSU's backup quarterback. He's kind of that just kind of that Tim Tebow QB power kind of guy where he's coming and he's wearing 15. He's a lefty. Yes. But he's coming in or on the ball. They, they put him in there and he throws a pass and it's to, it's to lip key, but he's like triple covered and gets picked off in the end zone with absolute ease. I think it was on the first down too. It was like right after a huge play and just, that's so deflating, but yeah, that's tough for them. Uh, Oh, again, like we're getting robbed if this isn't the national championship game. There's also just too many good players on these teams. Mark Kronowski's a stud for South Dakota State at, at quarterback. And then Destin Talbert, NDSU corner, does not get enough recognition at all. I think he's an NFL dude. Yeah, that was that was a stellar game. I just wish people could have watched it outside of us three. Okay. We have ESPN Plus, so you can log in at any time right now and enjoy it. Uh, don't put SDSU versus NDSU behind a paywall. Give it to us for free. But, yeah, I agree with Liam. This should be the national championship, but there's also a part of me that wants this to be a semifinal. Just so it's either in Brookings or Fargo, which at this point it'll be in Brookings. Oh, that's fair be cool too. too. And then the thing because with, yeah. both of those atmospheres are electric. Obviously, the Fargo Dome is bar none one of the best atmospheres in the FCS. Brookings also gets insane. Also, the, the, a moose ran onto the field there last year. <laughs> and and South Dakota has one of the best end zones, too. Their, their blue yeah. and yellow checkerboard is sick. But, uh, you know, the, the thing FCS, was... Sorry, uh, I, I just want to say, the FCS has so many amazing atmospheres. Fargo, Brookings, Bozeman, Missoula. Missoula. Uh, the red field Eastern Washington, Eastern Blood Washington. Yeah. Chen, yeah. yeah it's it's so good it's so good the HBCUs yeah HBCUs Florida. Jackson State has a, a fun stadium to watch football at yeah they do but uh you know the thing with South Coast State is 
they have been getting these wins over NDSU, but it's come down to their success in the playoffs, and that's yeah. been lacking. Like, they've dropped the ball. Uh, they've really dropped the ball against Montana State last yeah. year. And that's been their kind of common theme. And then just what NDSUHC Matt Ent said going into this game was, South Coast State's been the better team all year. Their resume shows it. Their play shows it. Our play shows it. They've been the better team. It didn't look like that for the first half. Definitely did in the second half. Uh, we need this game. And, yes, in the semis, but hopefully a national championship because those those players we interviewed told us, like, that environment in Frisco <laughs> with with a bunch of our fans actually getting the drink beer at the games and stuff <laughs> is going to be outrageous. And I will say, maybe this is just me being biased because I want to see this. Frisco? Frisco, Texas, yes. that's, the, that's the best we can do. There, yes. There's probably a stadium closer to, you know, the center of the powerhouses in the FCS, not Frisco. I mean, why not move the FCS championship to U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis? I thought you were going to say Indy, but I would no. to. I thought that's where you were heading. No, move it to U.S. Bank so I can watch it. I mean, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State. Yeah, sure, it might suck for – actually, Sam Houston's going FC, uh, FBS, so that doesn't matter for them. Uh, yeah, move it to Minneapolis. It move it makes to so much more sense. No, because it's got to be indoors. <laughs> yeah, but – no. I will say, those. no, North Dakota so State good. versus South Dakota State at Lambeau in the snow might be better than any Packers game that will happen for the next five years because that team is awful. Yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, now, we'll get away from the game-by-game game talk. We'll go you, Dan. What ranked team to lose were you just most stunned by? Uh, for me, that would be Mississippi State because I did not – I was not buying into Kentucky. They've been barely functional all year. Mississippi State is coming off a few, two huge wins in a row. Uh, Kentucky, I mean, uh, Key and Robinson, uh, the two wide receivers, they were both out. Uh, Levis has been banged up. Uh yeah, I know Chris Rodriguez is back, but that O-line stinks. And they're, they're two developmental programs. And Mississippi State is, like, at the top of a swing, you know, the veterans. And Kentucky is at the bottom. This is rebuilding. And I know Will Levis is there and Chris Rodriguez, those, you know, a couple stars and Weaver on defense too. But that is masking that this is the beginning of a cycle. It's a really all-new offensive line and, and new skill guys. And they kind of beat them. Mississippi State kind of stunk in this game. And, uh, I mean – in no, hindsight, kinda. I'm just I they just yeah. In hindsight, I'm never getting fooled by a Mike Leach team again. This is my kryptonite. They're just like that team that you always pencil to the sweet 16 and they every year and they let you down. That's Mike Leach on the road. I'm just constantly betting on them and, and uh, losing money. So I will learn my lesson one day. I'm I'm gonna talk about the third ranked team in the country. I mean, I I honestly thought that going into this spot, I thought that they could make the playoffs undefeated. I was a really big fan of this team. I wasn't the highest on their opponent. I knew that they had good aspects. Obviously, they've got a relatively new head coach that's doing pretty well. But the fact that Montana lost at home to Idaho, it, it just kind of – look, Jason X doing a great job at Idaho. But Montana, really? We're going to drop the ball now? North Dakota State just lost. You have a chance to – get some momentum going into the latter half of the season and you drop the ball against Idaho to lose the Stein. I was pretty dang shocked that let alone 
they lost. I was shocked, let alone that was a game. Yeah, I thought I was been playing some competitive games. We obviously remember the one against Washington State was blanking on Wazoo for a second. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I actually went with James Madison. I thought it was kind of obvious. Um, I know Andrews are winning a completely different world there with the FCS and everything, but like half the reason of this JMU pick for me is because 68 ranked teams that lost played ranked opponents. There were two of them that lost to unranked opponents. That was Kansas to Oklahoma, which I felt like was just obviously, I felt like that was an obvious result. Uh, I truly did, and that especially without Jalen Daniels. And then the other one was JMU losing to Georgia Southern. JMU gets a 14-0 early in the second quarter, and then everything just started to unravel. You had a block punt that tied the game at, what, like 10.58 in the second quarter. So your 14-0 lead evaporates in a nanosecond. Uh, JMU opened the second half with a quick score. Bantrice and <laughs> the Ginger General – and Georgia Southern answered in an insta-second with a 75-yard touchdown to Amari Jones, and then the Georgia Southern attack just began to carve. And it's been a good uh, JMU secondary. Like, I did, I, I just did not think JMU was going to lose this game. They've been playing such good defense with such great offense. Like, they gained 675 total yards of offense in this game. They turned the ball over four times. That hasn't been happening that's uncharacteristic and then you lose this game after trading blows in the fourth quarter because because derwin burgess jr made an unbelievable touchdown catch to win georgia southern the game uh uh jam you got that first taste of defeat and uh and just you know fbs defeat and what sunbelt road life is really like it's mm. it's cutthroat yeah yeah those uh, uh georgia southern receivers were great they were the difference maker they they were out, an outstanding out and great speed, uh, great they're breaking tackles, very shifty. They they made the difference. Let me just talk about that. In his first year at Georgia Southern, Clay Helton has killed two things. He's killed JMU's undefeated season, and he's killed Scott Frost's Nebraska job. And he's invented, and he's killed the triple option. Yes, he's invented the forward yeah. pass. Some some would say this is the best Georgia Southern offense ever. Whoa 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 whoa. Slow down on the Jarek McKinnon Wildcat quarterback package. Golly, and Schuster. His, his days in Minnesota were iconic. Of course, his Georgia Southern one, Georgia Southern days as well. Also, uh, Dan, I believe you tweeted that Derek Canteen was having a day. He oh, he was, was he was insane. really, really impressive. Yeah. He was uh, basically anything James Madison got was going away from him. And uh, he was uh, up in run fits. He was breaking up passes. He was the best player on the field. It was the best game that Canteen's had all season because he had kind of struggled in a few games prior to this. That was the best game that he's played, you know, since 2020 now because he didn't get a play in 2021, really. Like, that was Canteen's NFL tape game for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then just what was the most surprising thing from the weekend? For me, I'm sticking in the Sun Belt. That would be Old Dominion, not just beating Coastal, but blowing out Coastal. They're, the Coastal defense has been – uh, you know, shaky for sure, but they've uh, had the talent to stick around and win these shootouts. And uh, the Monarchs just made that not a question. Uh, five touchdowns in the second half. Uh, just really, really incredible. So uh, this was a great week in the Sun Belt, and this was part of it. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Shout out me for uh, making one singular bet on my bookie this week because I never had the time to look at any other bets and it was Old Dominion. So that's a good one for me. I thought 12 and a half was a ludicrous number seeing that Coastal Carolina hasn't been able to pull away from a game all year. So I'll take a, a nice little one unit win on that one. But yeah, that was pretty dang surprising that they just blew him out in general. Yeah. But Watson was I, incredible. Oh my gosh, he was he was freaking insane. And then like, there's the uh sorry, there's that Ollie Jennings that I want to pull it up real quick. Uh give me one second, like when you're looking at people, blah 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 blah. Yeah, okay. Just yes, Ollie better. Jennings from your guy Stats of War, your Duke Parker. He tweeted out, uh, Ollie Jennings has almost half of his team's entire yards, and he has less than a fifth of his team's total touches. Hmm. That's insane. Imagine if Ollie Jennings was getting actual volume. He'd be putting up, up Bolitnikov numbers right now at ODU. He, he definitely would be. That's insane. And, it, I mean, and this is the this is the year where where he would have been getting that Bolitnikov respect, right? Like a group of five guy really Possibly could've... from you. Of course, from me, but like a group of five guy really could have taken that that award by the you know like the bull by the words, whatever. Like you know, because I love love words. Yeah, words aren't your strongest suit. Listening to Drewster is, and you're about to do that because the most surprising thing from this weekend: how the heck did this happen? How have we not talked about it? How the heck are are pigs flying? Is just everything going wrong or is everything going right in Boulder, Colorado, because the Buffaloes just won a football game. And not only did they win a football game, they won a football game by stopping the run. What? Huh? They stopped stopped Jaden Ott, neutralized him completely and took down Cal. Now, granted, Cal's not a very good football team, but they won a football game. You know what? Props are given where props are due. I doubted Colorado. I thought for sure they were going 0-12. I doubted Mike Sanford. And you know what? Congratulations. You beat your ceiling of 0-12. Now your ceiling is 1-11 because they still suck. There's no way that Colorado's going to win another game. I have no idea how Cal actually dropped the ball here and let this happen. That's just so embarrassing, man. It's so embarrassing. It's that they've uh, Colorado, I was looking up some stats. They are in terms of total rushing yards allowed, they were 130, 130th in the country, and they've only played five games. Yeah. So they were behind teams that had played six or seven games. They were giving up something like eight yards a carry to running backs, and they they stuffed Jaden Ott, who's a stud. I don't I don't get it. I don't know what happened. It doesn't make sense, but that's college football. For me – It's interim coaches. For Look, for me, I actually went with Michigan and how they absolutely manhandled Penn State in the way that they did – like I thought Penn State, look, I thought Penn State was going to win. I thought they'd at least be competitive. And I know it's a James Franklin led team. These things happen. It's Sean Clifford at quarterback. This is going to happen. But it's still like it it, it they got pushed around like they were Pop Warner kids. And that's not something that I was expecting because it's not something that Michigan was able to do against Iowa, against Maryland, against Indiana. Michigan wasn't able to just be that dominant presence, that daunting presence from all 11 players on the field and push people around like the kid at recess or whatever when you're bullying him. Like, this was unbelievable what Michigan did. And while they deserve a lot of respect and credit for it and everything, 
look at Penn State and figure out why this happened. It's inexcusable. This is why Penn State fans want James Franklin gone so desperately because this result and the way that it happened is unacceptable. Okay, I appreciate that. And now we'll just go back to the most disappointing thing that happened this weekend. Uh, to me, that'd be uh, NC State and that game plan. Um, without Leary throwing 30 passes with a triple option quarterback in Jack Chambers. I know they, I know they're behind, but it was only a score, too. Like, this was not a game script kind of thing. The EPA, according to GameOnPaper.com, they were like bottom quarter percentile in terms of passing and middle of the pack in terms of running, but they just kept on passing. Liam, you said you watched more of that game. What, what's the deal there? Uh, their offense was an atrocity with Devin Leary, and it's a thousand five hundred times worse without Devin Leary. Their receivers stink. Their offensive line has regressed so much without a Kwanwu. Their running game, aside outside of Slimy Shark, isn't really there. It's just not a good offense at all. Like Devin... I mean, last last week in the second half against Florida State, obviously they had a lead, so they're protecting that, but they still only passed. One zero times with Chambers or once maybe once and I mean why not kind of I don't know I don't I don't know thirty passes I don't I don't get that I don't think I'll be honest I Doran has really underwhelmed coaching this year Uh, Mm -hmm. it has not been a good year at NC State at all and as we kind of talked about going into the season that's what tends to happen when you're nc state when you're a program like that that is never in the spot yeah this is what happens you fail expectations again nc state's best result this year is a loss to clemson that was the only time that they played good football why are they right i i I don't know man i don't know i'm I'm in that boat with you like if, if, if you watched nc state Outside of the Clemson game, one time this year. Heck, the voters watched the East Carolina game. We have to know that because that game was very good. They should have lost that game. NC State should have. If you take away the NC State logos and you slap on, like, I don't know, give me a team real quick. Uh, Appalachian State. App State, sure. App State is in the ACC in this scenario, and they've played these exact same results, blah, blah, blah. blah. App State's not going to rank. Oh, heck no. No, this is the this curse of the, the preseason. Duke isn't getting ranked with this exact resume. It's the curse of the preseason poll. You look at everything yes, on, it's on paper in, in, in June, and you start talking yourself into things. We did this with Iowa State last year. Well, don't say we. Houston. Wait, oh, sure Houston, yes. Houston. Yeah, Houston, yeah. yeah. Houston I was bu- I, a lot of us were buying it on Houston. I was, I was not I... buying it on Iowa State last year. But I, w- I was in on Houston. I thought they were going to be great. I was in on Houston to lose to UTSA and then fare very well. And then, uh, well, they fluked to the win over UTSA. And now they have done anything but be very well. Yeah, that's not a good football team. They should have lost to UTSA and Memphis. They should have lost every game. They should have lost to Rice. Yeah, they actually They should have. Yes. All right. Sorry, I had to cough. But yeah, I'm going to go to the Big Ten where there is a team in Michigan State where every quarterback that plays Michigan State looks like the next coming of Terry Bradshaw mixed with Michael Vick. They just look like (laughs) the greatest quarterback ever created. And 
a week after we see a performance that makes it look like Graham Mertz is going to keep on replicating that 2020 performance against Illinois, where he just decided to say, you know what, we're going to rename the Heisman the Mertz. And now it hurts to watch him play football once again. And it was a nice little one week break from the eye bleach, but now we're going back to it. How the heck are you so bad against one of the worst pass defenses in the country to the point where you're making their pass defense look like the Legion of Boom? God. It's bad. It's bad when a quarterback, uh, say, if Spencer Petras played Michigan State, he would probably have 225 yards, two tuds, maybe a pick, you know, maybe a linebacker jumps a slant, but he, he wouldn't look as bad as what Mertz did yesterday. That was shambolic. That was an awful performance. Any team dropping games to Michigan State deserves a lot of questions around their program, and I think Wisconsin is no different. I think with the rest of their schedule, the way it is, they have to play a bunch of teams in the West, which the West isn't good, but Wisconsin's also not good. So they have to play a bunch of teams that are either in their tier or better. Like they still have to play Purdue. They still, they lost to Illinois. That's what Paul Chris lost his job on. They have to play Nebraska. That's not going to be an easy game. Nebraska's not. <laughs> wait, wait. Team. That's not going to be an easy game to watch. Oh, well. College I'm going to have a lot of fun watching game it if it goes the way I think it does. <laughs> but Wisconsin could very well end this year five and seven. And if they end this year five and seven, and that let's, that's not hyperbole, if they end the year five and seven, we can't give the job to Jim Leonard just yet. We can say, you know what? He wasn't given a good deck of cards. We can say, you know what? Let's let him have the program for a few years. But then you can also make the, the case, he's been at the program forever he should be able to do a little bit with what's given to him. Right. Not just fall flat, like a dead bird. I don't know if Lance Leipold says, Hey, I want the Wisconsin job. You can't be like, nah, Jim, Len Jim Leonard's our guy. I, I don't know if we can give him the job hundred percent yet. He needs to prove it. I think that's very fair for me. The most I think my best part of that was how you were slandering your chief rival, but you set it up as if you're slandering Michigan state. You fooled me. It's very well done. Very Thank you. I will also slander Michigan State as much as I can because that team is awful. They suck at everything they do. No, tuck coming for that buyout. That was an elite sign. <laughs> I so want that good. on a t-shirt. Someone so give me that t-shirt. So I will wear it for the rest of eternity. Yeah, that was real good. Was um, that on Big Noon? I don't even remember. I, I think it was a tailgate picture. Like someone yeah, made a yeah, shirt saying just, tuck coming yes. for the Tuck coming for that buyout. It was a Michigan fan. That's, yes, that's what it was. Uh, for me, though, most disappointing thing was the Jordan Addison injury. Mm -hmm. I've been very vocal about how much fun SC's offense is. And just Addison's been a massive reason why, obviously. That's easy when you're the reigning Belitnikov winner and all. But seeing him go down was a terrible sight for any college football fan, no matter who you root for. Uh, the injury looked absolutely terrible, honestly. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I promise I'm not a doctor, but it looked terrible. Uh, it looked like it was, you know, lower leg around the ankle area. No clue what it is. Maybe we'll get better news and it's not that bad. And, you know, he could return to play in a few weeks or whatever. But if it's a long-term injury, it's going to be so tough because it's been such a joy to watch him play. Um, and and he's, you know, taken that WR1 role. Like, he that's he, he's the WR1 
in the 2023 draft now. And this is a guy that people didn't have in the same tier as Boutte and JSN going into the year. They they said he was like, you know, fourth or fifth best receiver. He's not. His movement's so graceful. He's just, he just put what? He's, he's number one. Yes, he is number one. Put up your foam fingers like a strike and Josh. Uh, but not seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you like that one, Andrew, sir. Oh, you finally you. make a TV reference. I understand. That was thank, an amazing episode you. of television. Thank you, man. Thank you. It San was. Diego Padres, congratulations on your NLCS birth. Juan Soto, by the way. Dave. Hope Luke, oh, oh, yeah, I called you Dave. I'm looking at Dave's DM. Hope Lukey's not listening, but uh, 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 he actually is. Well, I left the door open for for sorry, Lukey. But not like Aston's just been excelling at such a high level. Again, his movement, the way he just flies all over the field, is is insane. And the good thing here is that it's 2022, and NIL exists. Because imagine if this was another year and Addison wasn't able to cash in big time. And for all the cranky haters out there, this is why NIL exists, you morons. Yeah, if if you're still against the transfer portal or the NIL, please cry because it's amazing for these players. It's stellar. Cry about it. Go on Twitter. We'll, We'll tweet that picture where it's the Simpsons. Oh, man, yelling at a clown. I, I just think it's amazing how many people just jump to the conclusion that the transfer portal and NIL is going to kill college sports. But then there were like three of us. Uh, it was like Squidward in the in his house, like looking outside to Patrick and SpongeBob and like Squidward's like 99.9% of the people. Patrick and SpongeBob are like the 0.1% of us. They're like, no, this is actually really good because it's going to balance the sport completely and give players an opportunity to play that they wouldn't have gone. This stuff has only made the sport exponentially better. It's going to do the same for college basketball. All the morons that said it was going to kill college sports. What are you talking about? I want to talk about these players. I want to talk about the player that most stood out to you in week seven, Dan. The player that most stood out to me, John Reese Pullman, Thursday night, UCF. Space. Uh, space game. He I had know. His moon shoes on on the first <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> I know, I know it was against Temple, and you have to make a Temple defense adjustment, but uh, he was incredible. He accounted for six touchdowns, five touchdowns. And he, the impressive thing to me was he went 18 for 22 passing, you know, so really efficient and explosive through the air to go along with, you know, the running ability of an ex SEC wide receiver. And anybody that watched that Louisville game earlier in the year did not see this kind of growth coming this kind of efficiency from Plumlee and the play calling too and how they used him uh through the air and attack. So uh UCF hanging 70 Plumlee was crucial for that. And they that offense stunk in September, but they really turned it around. I think they're the best team in the American right now. I would have to agree because Cincinnati, you suck. Yeah, not but I'm I'm gonna go from UCF. I, I'm gonna go back to it's great to be a Tennessee volunteer and it's great to be a Jalen Hyatt fan because he was amazing. It seemed like every Oh, of course. You you know I'm always good for a little tune. But Jalen Hyatt, six receptions, 207 yards, five tud tuds. This is tud tuds. You know what? I, I had to create a term for what he did because it wasn't just touchdowns because touchdowns can be a one yard QB sneak. But what he did was just torch that atrocious pass defense for Alabama. 
And it was so great to see. It was very, it was very, uh, trying to think of the word. It made me, you know, think of the times when Shannon Sharp would just torch defenses in the NFL and he would go to the bench and he would dial the, the little phone and he would just yell at the fans, help is on the way because there was no help from Alabama and they needed all of it. Almost like that Tyreek Hill game against the Buccaneers in 2020, obviously not the Super Bowl because that was a little different and, you know, he was throwing the, the deuce signs in the regular season and in the Super Bowl, he got the deuce thrown on him. Shout out Antoine. But Antoine. I had to, I'm sorry. But no, what he did was one of the biggest reasons why Tennessee won the football game. And I'm sure he will never have to pay for anything ever in the state of Tennessee ever again. And frankly, he deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, well, I did forget to bring this up when we were talking falls untied. The Alabama secondary is, it's, it's not good. I'm not going to say it's terrible. I'm not going to react. It's not it's good. Okay, fine. It's terrible. Eli Ricks, there is no reason that he should be on the bench watching uh, this mess. What? If he's not playing, there's a reason. Exactly. There been... is a reason. I'm not going to buy what there, there, no, there hasn't been. A... Saban says he hasn't picked up the playbook. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. I'm, I, I, I'm going to trust believe... the coach over the player. I think that, okay, that's fair. But I also know from Mr. Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban, rat poison exists. And our coach could give out some good old-fashioned rat poison, dude. Eli why would Saban not put his I don't why would Saban not I don't put know. his best guys know. out there if, if he thinks I, I that... don't I don't know, but they, they don't I think do it's it at just... receiver and they don't do it at corner either. Clearly. Okay. I think the thing with receiver is more based on veteranship. There's a lot of young guys in there compared to their juniors. Yeah. I'm just saying, I know, no, I agree with that. I'm just saying, still, like, they're misevaluating their talent receiver and they're misevaluating a corner if Ricks can't get out of the field. I think no Saban knows he's... what he has with Ricks. I just don't think he wants to play him for reasons that we will never know. But because is he that's saving him stuff. like a secret weapon for the national championship? Something? No, I, I just think that there's something in Alabama right now that there is something not good happening between the coaching staff and Eli Ricks that is making the coaching staff make the decision we understand he may be one of our best corners or maybe he's just not performing well in practice and we just should not play him in these game situations. Which is what I'm saying though, is that I need to know what is going on because there is no reason that he should not be on the field because look, there could be something that is happening internally, but if it's because he can't pick up the playbook or that he struggles in practice while we watch that mess about every Saturday now, including one where Haynes King was able to throw the ball on Alabama secondary. I, I no, the he, Eli Ricks needs to be on the field. I'm sorry for uh, bringing that up. I'm sorry, but my guy is Syracuse wide receiver, Aranda Gadsden, the second. This guy is a beast. He's a true sophomore who was balled out uh, in, in his short career thus far. He's six foot five, 260. Pounds. He carved up a very good NC State secondary for 141 and two touchdowns on eight catches. He's an athletic specimen with freakish bounce and ridiculous high pointing ability. This is someone that people need to keep their eye on going into the 2023 season. And he's an NFL dude without a doubt in my eyes. I also love this. After the game against NC State, when he was asked what was working, what did Aronde Gadsden the second say? Throwing me the ball. 
And Rooster, he's got that. He's got that dog in him? Yeah, he's got that dog in him. Or does he have that orange in him? He's got that orange in him, too. No, this dude's different. That would concern me if he's got orange in him. I guess, yes. Better than having, better than tweeting a graphic that says he's got that hog in him. Then we need to. That's bad. But but I'm telling you, like, if he wasn't playing at Syracuse and he was, like, playing at a program, maybe in the Big 12 or something, there's so many people talking about this guy. Um, Like, watch Syracuse Clemson next week. And I'm skeptical of the volume that. Gadsden will be able to put up and in the production because it is against Clemson, whatever. But if he shows out against them, put a giant circle around this guy's name and red Sharpie like 14 times and remember him going into 2023 and be sure to tweet out that you were on this guy and you were higher on him than all your friends were because he's going to be dang good. And please let's get into the biggest takeaway from a very good week. So uh, for me, We've heard for so long about the the Hypel offense, the Bryles offense, the Baylor offense, whatever whatever noun you want to put in front of it. Now it's not going to work in the SEC. Once once SEC defensive coordinators get the film, they're going to figure it out and stop it and all this stuff. Guess what? It's been a year and a half. They got all the film. They're not stopping it. If you have the talent, if you have a guy like Hendon Hooker playing point guard, if you have talented skill guys, they didn't have their their best skill guy in Cedric Tillman. It works. It works in the SEC. And you still have guys like, uh, you know, Jimbo and whoever running their cavemen offenses, which is a theme of this podcast. Oh. But it works. I know NFL guys hate it because it's Mickey Mouse or whatever, but this is a college ball and it works in college. Yeah. So anybody that says, oh, once they get tape on it, they'll figure it out. The greatest defensive backs coach in the history of the sport just got, you know, they hung half a hundred on, on his team with it. So, yeah. Yeah, I also sorry. Uh, as much you know, hype as hypo gets, hypo. Okay, that works. But uh, hey, hey, hey. No, Alex Golash needs so much love too because he is calling the plays. He was at Iowa State a few years ago and helped them get an offense going with Brock Purdy at quarterback of all people. He was there in 2020 at UCF, and now he's here with hypo again at Tennessee, and they're carving. They took what was an atrocity of an offense and they turned it into this incredible site. Golesh needs so much respect and recognition. Like, I, he should be getting a head coach. He, should, he, he is going to get head coaching offers at the college level. But during that game, why to be down like the first half was, what NFL teams are going to pursue him for an OC job? Is that something where we lose Golesh to the NFL? I don't want that. I don't want another lost Joe Brady. I, I will say, if things go the way I think they might, a certain team with a oh, certain... Oh, really? That guy again? Oh, no. I could have <laughs> said a certain team with a bird in the desert. A uh, certain team with a star on their helmet. Uh possibly just because you know a certain owner may see fireworks going off in knoxville tennessee and he wants those fireworks in his world okay three team trade kellen moore to boise state dirt cutter to tennessee alex kolesh to the cowboys that's not a three-team trade that's just people going places i called it a trade (laughs) it's a trade 
When you said Dirk Cutter to Tennessee to San Diego. No. Or did you say it to Tennessee? Tennessee. Okay, so I'm stupid. Sorry. Yeah, what's going on? Your sick brain. I, yeah, sick brain. Ah. Biggest takeaway, Andrew Stern. Let's go. My biggest takeaway. I have a lot of agendas. You may know that. And I pride myself on my agendas that right, thrive. So you take the notes. I do keep notes. I keep receipts. And one note that I've had for quite some time is when the playoff expansion got announced and all the details oh, about it. No. There was one... There was one little detail about it that I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. We should not be giving the group of five a guaranteed bid. Because look, I'm sorry, there are great group of five teams. Last year, Cincinnati, if those were the rules for the playoff, yes, they would get a spot. And by those rules, they would deserve it. If Houston was the 10 and 2, 11 and 1 possible team, they would deserve it. No group of five team from this year would deserve a playoff bid in the 12 team playoff. None of them. No, not I agree one. with that. I like, I agree with that. I disagree with no like automatic qualifier. Like they should still get no, it. No, there there shouldn't be an AQ. Yeah, they should though, because everybody okay, should be represented if, in there. And it's just one team. They, they from, should be represented if they deserve the opportunity to get but representation. That, okay, but they're almost always not going to get that. And we've seen that with history, that that's almost always going to be the case where they don't get the opportunity that they deserve. If they don't deserve the opportunity, why give it to them? But they but deserve I the opportunity am, so much and they don't get the opportunity given. Is the How issue. many times in the last 10 years has a group of five team deserved a chance to win the national title? Zero, but that's not the question. It's 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 about making it an even playing field, like just giving everybody an opportunity, and that's what makes the NCAA tournament so great. Is because who on that's earth would different. have? That's no, different. it's not because nobody, yes, it is. Nobody would have ever thought UMBC could have beat UVA. Nobody would have ever thought that. So how do you know that in ten years there's not like USF winning? Winning a playoff game somehow that they were 24 point underdogs and nobody ever gave them a chance. You I'm not know saying that they that can't, can't win a game. But that, I'm they're saying just, they're just deserving of the opportunity. Like that's the point. Okay. But last year, like let's just take last year's Cincinnati team, for example. Cincinnati had one good win. And then the rest of the year, they kind of sputtered. They found their way to win, which is still good. You need to win football games. But there were four or five games down the stretch they could have lost. They could have lost yep. to USF or not USF, uh, Navy. They could have lost to, to Tulsa. Mm -hmm. There were so many games. A national championship contender is not going to almost lose to Tulsa. No, Can but a just... bunch of bat, but a bunch of contending college football teams are going to almost drop the ball against inferior opponents too. Like it happens. It's not their yes, fault but... that that's the conference that they play in, and that's why since he is moving up to the Big Twelve, and teams are going to struggle with certain teams on their schedule. That just happens. It's and not fit. It's just. Not, I'm sorry. It's just not right to exclude five conferences from a playoff for the entire sport. That's just not ethically right. They at least need to have the opportunity. I don't care if they lose by 40. At least they got the chance on that stage, a chance that teams at that level do not get ever because really good teams in the group five end up playing for a New Orleans board. I was going to say, I don't think they would always lose. Yes, upsets are going to happen, but why would I give – say last year, Cincinnati, why would I give Cincinnati a chance to win the national championship and not a team like Pitt? Because Cincinnati didn't drop a game on their slate. They took care of business. They played who they played. 
But you got to also take strength of schedule into matters. Like they had the Notre Dame win. The Notre Dame win is good. Every other game they played was awful. It's just competition with playing in the group of five and thus scheduling games 14 years ago. You play who you play. And they took care of I'm not saying that they have to change the schedule. I'm saying that I don't want a team that's playing group of five competition. Because look, we love the group of five here. It's inferior competition compared to the power five. That that's just facts. I don't want a team that's 12 and 0 because they played group of five teams rather than a power five team that just spent their entire season going through a power five conference. It's just that it, there's so many teams that that are in big conferences and power conferences. They look at Michigan's schedule. They're going to have two good wins this year. And it's going to be Penn State, or sorry, they're going to have one good win this year. They're not being Iowa State. They're going to be an eleven and one team with one good win against Penn State. They're going to have ten wins that were absolutely irrelevant. So but what are we going to say about Michigan's schedule now? Where those are irrelevant power five wins. Just, they chose to play Hawaii, Colorado State, and UConn in non-conference. I'm not saying those were good decisions. Those are cowardly not... decisions because they canceled y'all's game. Everyone yeah, so, knows this. So there's 131 teams in FBS, and it's all a lie that they're all playing the same sport. No, right? they're not. And like, like Alabama and Georgia are playing a different sport than Missouri. And I'm a Missouri fan, and we're in the same league. And Missouri's playing a different sport than uh, you know, Georgia Southern. And Georgia Southern's playing a different sport than, you know, Mercer, you know, a pretty good team from FCS. Uh, but we've got this, this thing where we're pretending that they're all playing the same sport and that they're all in the same level playing field. And so what Andrews are saying is more honest, that a group of five is in a different league. But right now, while we're faking that they are all together FBS teams, they should get a seat at the table, even though as a group of five enjoyer, what that means is nine years out of 10, our favorite beloved team that we get, you know, attached to like a UCF a couple years ago, or maybe it's James Madison this year or Cincinnati last year is going to lose by 30 in the playoffs on national television. Everybody's going to say, who's this team? Get them out of here. And that's, and every once in a while, they're going to make a great, they're going to have a great playoff game against the, the eight seed or whatever. It's so as a, as a, it's going to be amazing as a group of five enjoyer where our the teams that we enjoy are going to get set up for embarrassment 90% of the time. But as long as we're pretending that this is the same sport, they, you know, they do deserve some representation, I believe. There's zero reason why they shouldn't be included. I, I would just rather we didn't have automatic qualifiers at all because I don't want to see if, that's if the uh, is yeah, and I'd rather eight. see an interesting James Madison team than a nine and three Wisconsin team. And but whoever's power of, ranked 14. Andrew Stern, you're too smart to not realize that the issue with not having them get an AQ is that these idiots aren't going to allow them in. That's if just not in, true. Yes, They'll never put in. If there's no AQ, they will never put in a defense. Cincinnati unless, got put in. Unless it's that caliber of team, 12-0. and 0, with And if it's that caliber of team, if they then they deserve the chance. They wouldn't have gone in. Well, well UCF but they did. If, if, but, if they ha- but UCF didn't and didn't go in. Well, yeah, if, if Cincinnati didn't beat Notre Dame, then they didn't deserve to go win. No, but I'm saying if Cincinnati didn't didn't have Notre Dame on their schedule, if you replace that Notre Dame game with then it's more uh, Oregon State reason to schedule Power Five teams, which they try and do, but how many of them duck them, and how many of them give them I don't garbage offers like the UCF, like the Florida, the UCF are offer, 
Like that stuff happens too, because at the end of the day, power five teams still don't want, don't want group of five losses on their schedule. And they're afraid some of them to schedule good group of five teams at certain points, as if it matters for a game that you're scheduling 13 years down the line. Again, dude, you're, if there is no automatic qualifier and there is a very good, say, 10 and 2 group of five team that has one power five loss and then like one slip up against the team that wins like seven or eight games, they're not going to let them in. And that's if a not group of fair. five team loses to a power five team that isn't like top 10, they don't deserve to get in. You and, have to make the most of your opportunities. And that's what Cincinnati did. It's just, it's not right to completely exclude them. It's, We're it's, not completely excluding them. If they make though. the most of their opportunities, they can get in, but if they don't, it's just what you have to live with when you play the Tulsa's of the world. It's just... I want the 12 best teams making the playoff. It's just not ever what's going to happen, though, is it? It doesn't it's matter gonna... who the 12 best are when there's only three or four that are going to win. Like that's how the that's how top heavy the sport is. Well, and yeah, it has been for its entire existence. And I'm not that... going to debate that. Well, only three to five teams are ever going to end up on top every year. So the rest of the bracket can be whoever. Yeah. What we'll not- see is close games in the first round when you're playing, when the, the top is on by, and then you'll have those blowouts again, like we've been seeing in the semifinals. And then hopefully you'll have a great championship, but you'll have, you'll have those blowout semifinals will still exist. Yes. And we also have seen teams at the power five level go into the playoff and get absolutely eviscerated. So who the heck cares if it's a group of five that's getting their stage and their opportunity, at least they're getting a chance to not like, it's all about getting an opportunity, dude. And then the fact the best teams aren't always making the playoff. We've already seen that time and time again. The committee is going to put who they want in. It's not going to be the consensus who we think is the best. It's just not going to happen. I can't wait to see how this race plays out and who gets to play for this playoff, what four teams get to. I know that there's going to be angry people, though, and deservedly so, because they're probably going to blow it and give it to the the four best brands or whatever and not the four teams actually deserve to get in like there's an, there's a world where tcu is a one loss team and doesn't get in that's not right and that's the issue with this garbage I, i'm not going to stand here and back the college football playoff committee because i do think they make mistakes but like last year they got the four right mm. yeah which was like one of the was like one of the few years that they did I mean, it's not the only year that they did. I know that they, I mean, that's not true, but still, like, they've botched it plenty of times before, and they botch it with their garbage rankings every week that they will start up in a few weeks again. I mean, everyone's rankings are garbage. Yes, and they're like, compared to what we believe, we can never think a ranking is good unless it's either very similar to ours or it's just ours. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, dude. Uh, We need to move along, but I just want to know at the end of the day, if they're not getting, if the group of five is not getting an AQ, they're 99.9% of the time, they're not getting in. They're not getting the chance. But my biggest takeaway was this is the best season of college football that we've had in <laughs> quite a while. The sport is so much better than the NFL, NBA, and MLB. It's not even funny. The game plays better. The fans are better. The atmospheres are better. The games are better. The commentating is better. The banter is better. The product is better. The level of parity is better. There's been 45 upsets based on that, Um, that uh, what do you call it I've been using? What's the word? Criteria that I've been using, which, look, it's not the best 
criteria because there are um there are favorites weighing and stuff, but there's been 45 instances where a lower ranked team has beaten a higher ranked team, a ranked team lost to an unranked team, a group five beat a power five as a bang underdog, and then FCS team beat a FBS team. That's happened 45 times. There are serious 2007 vibes to the season, which we highlighted right off the bat when the season got out of the gates. And I don't know, it's just been an incredible season college football that we haven't gotten in a really long time, it feels like. I feel like last year's was very good. It's nowhere close to this. This has been great. This has been very good. New blood. New blood. Yeah. Especially with all the coaching changes, like a Brian Kelly LSU. Yeah. A Brian Kelly LSU. What the heck? And then uh, we'll rank our top five teams in the country real quick. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Ohio State one. Georgia is my number two. Uh, Tennessee at three. Michigan four. And I got Bama rounding it out at five. I'm also going to go Ohio State one. I'm going to actually put Tennessee at two. Even though they lost, I still think Alabama is a very good team. Mm -hmm. I think that Bryce Young is just going to be able to will them to victories. I'm going to put them at three. I'm going to put Clemson at four and Georgia at five. Yeah, I went Ohio State at one, Tennessee at two, Clemson at three, because, look, they still have (laughs) – if if we're looking at full resumes, they have the win at Wake Forest. They have the win against NC State, who the AP poll thought was really good. So, credit to Clemson for getting a nice little top ten win or whatever there. And then they have the win at Florida State. That's a really good resume. And then I have Alabama at four, and I have Georgia at five. Uh, I just think – I'm not discrediting Alabama for losing a thriller – to Tennessee. Tennessee was the slightly better team in that game. Uh, I, Alabama is still very good. They have things that they need to fix, but sure. Sorry, Hugo? No, I was just going to say, if you took out all the emotion and all the history of the last 15 years, and that game wasn't that game, it was just those two teams lining up on a neutral site in an NFL stadium, uh, you know, without the crowds and all that and all that I think Alabama wins that game like seven times out of ten. Yeah, probably. I would agree. I I also think that Tennessee got Alabama when Alabama played their most undisciplined game of football under Saban. It was a very opportunistic evening for Tennessee. And I just, with Georgia, I just don't, like, yeah, they beat up on Auburn and Vandy lately, but I'm not going to forget the Kent State and the Zoo games. Like, I need to see them play good competition again. And and they got Tennessee coming up on the fifth. Yeah, they got a chance. We can't wait for that. And Drewster, how close are the balls getting to one? Are they going to beat Georgia? I think they can. I don't think Georgia's – Georgia's offense is very weird to me because I feel like – Everyone gave Stetson Bennett all this Heisman hype going into the year. He averaged at 1.5 yards per attempt. That's awful. That's not good at all. And look, I'm not going to discredit someone for being efficient and, you know, being doing what's told of him. But at some point, you also got to realize a Stetson Bennett led offense is not going to be able to compare to a Hendon Hooker led offense and a Hypo led offense. I think Tennessee's easily going to be able to outscore them. I think they're probably not going to put up 52, but if they put up, you know, in the range of 38 to 40, I think Tennessee's passing defense is awful. I question how much Georgia would be able to exploit that. And look, Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers, they're insane. Uh, Eric Gilbert, welcome to college football. He got a touchdown this week, but I, I don't know how much Georgia is going to be able to put up points on them 
at the pace of play that Tennessee's going to be able to. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that game. And let's just go over your best and worst thing that you saw in week seven. Uh, my best thing, I would say just like, like the emotion in the sport, just like just the tribute in Utah, the, the scenes in Tennessee to um, the FSU, the, the tribute for Ella Brzee. Uh, the Colorado fans storming the field. Hey, we got one. Uh, TCU, just, you know, the kids and the fans there. Um, ODU, Hudson had to miss the game. Poor Hudson had to go to his puppy's service academy, his buddies, uh, their the service animal academy graduation. Uh, just, I don't know, all these things that make college football uh, special. This was a real uh, reminder of that. It was great football, but it was great um, – all of those things that are adjacent to the sport were on display this weekend. So, yeah. Uh, the worst thing I would say would be Tennessee trying to fundraise their fans for goalpost replacements. That was the most. Sending out rude. fundraising emails like uh, Occupied Democrats or whatever, you know, those uh, massive chain emails for. Uh, but yeah, no. Enjoy I, the al- win. I almost wish that. The that I imagine if we could just vacate Tennessee's win because their athletic <laughs> department wanted to pull some garbage like that. That's such a joke. It's it was tacky. And also, this isn't my worst thing. Can we stop fining teams for storming the football field? I understand it's a it's a health and safety thing. We have to, you know, we have to keep fans off the field for their own safety. If I storm the football field. I'm doing it at my own risk. There, there should be a little thing in the ticket buying section page that says, hey, if you end up storming the field, we assume no risk or liability for any injury, death, robbery, anything. And I would sign it gladly. I'll put a little heart on the I, my last name, just for the fun of it. Because storming the field is fun. I love doing it. I hope I get to do it again and I'll do it whenever I can. I don't care about schools getting fined for it. I just think it's the stupidest thing ever. I understand it's a legal thing, but come on. 100K for the best night in Tennessee football this millennium. Well, worth really, it. What, what are we doing? It, oh, it's but a I, million percent worth it. I'm, I guarantee you every booster's checkbook was like, all right, who am I writing this out to? Oh, wait, now you need me a paper goalpost? No, we're not doing that. Also, yeah, they just shelled I, out like four and a half million for NIL for Nico Ayamaleva. They're gonna they got money for goalposts too. Oh, it's a lot more than four and a half mil. It's, it's a lot more. But I maybe also saw wait, maybe they'll put the money in McDonald's bags. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of McDonald's bags. That would be a or maybe you just put one check uh right next to the large fry. But what do I know? Also, I saw a video on Twitter that they had pre-made another goalpost. So like just what what are we doing <laughs> like you're essentially just asking for donations at this point because i'm pretty sure i saw a video saying tennessee knowing that something could happen on saturday had another goal post ready so they were just looking for some extra nil money for nico possibly <laughs> yeah which by the way if i'm nico i'm like Whoo! i made the right decision which he's also been balling out in high school so shout out to him but best thing i feel like we're going back to the well. Tennessee fans, have yourself a night. Whether you get to storm the field and it's a field of orange, the fireworks coming out of Neyland, the Dixieland delight, spend my dollar. 
just absolutely amazing things coming out of Knoxville. The students ripping the freaking goalpost off the field, trying to walk the entire thing out. No one thought that was going to work. So pretty sure they cut it and then they just walk it through the, the tunnel, go out the stadium. I don't know how far they walked. Like Liam said earlier, dumping it in a river, just Tennessee football, man. It, it's, it's electric. Tennessee football is college football, as Josh Heupel seems to say in every single interview he does after a game. Man, this is what makes college football so great. And you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. And Tennessee made college football great. You know what doesn't make college football great? Officiating. You guys suck. How the heck did that little occurrence in the USC-Utah game at the end of the game, who, who with logic thought, okay, so we had a play run. We had a timeout called like mid-play, and we had a pass interference, interception return. You know what? We're going to void all of that. We're going to call the pass interference as if the play didn't happen with the timeout being called, and we're going to give them the 15 yards and the time back. So we're going to give them free time and free yards in one of the biggest situations that the conference will see this year. Who? Okay. You know what? You need to take an IQ test to be a referee. I'm instating this law right now. Show me you have an IQ above, you know, an average seventh grader and I'll let you be a referee because at this point it's getting stupid. It's getting very stupid. Like you failed those little multiplication worksheets that you had to do. What's seven times nine? What's six times four? What's four touchdowns times seven touchdowns? You're saying the bar real high for them. It's going to be interesting to see if those refs could get more points on the IQ test than just filling out their name, if they get that correctly. Um, so I don't know if this goes under the best or worst, but SMU's mascot Peruna taking a massive dump on the field and causing a lengthy delay was definitely something that has to be either the best or the worst. I don't know. I'll leave that up to those listening. That was like, again, that's just a, it'll only ever happen in college football moment. Uh, the, the poor workers having to pick it up with Powerade cups. Yikes. <laughs> uh, that they deserve some bonuses or something. Uh the worst thing for me was the time of games. I think I brought this up before on a recap pod this season. And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the night slights haven't had as many good games and quality games as usual. It was tough seeing the the Dakota marker game between South Coast State and North Coast State, Oklahoma State, TCU, and the Bama-Tennessee game in the same time slot. That was tough. Those are three amazing showdowns, but nobody really got to watch the South Coast A and TCU exciting wins in fashion. Uh, and then the late slate had SC in Utah, but then what? That Duke UNC game was good. It was on ACC Network. You had Wazoo Oregon State on Pac-12 Network, so nobody watched that, and it wasn't a good game anyway. You had Air Force blowout UNLV, San Jose State, Fresno State. Sorry, Petros, but that game was a snoozer. And then Nevada and Hawaii played on an app. I don't know, man. I just feel like it's been a common theme, unfortunately, that we're not getting enough good night games. Like, I felt like that TCU-Oklahoma State game should have been under the lights. That game should have been like a 4.30 or 5 o'clock kickoff. I just, they are stacking these morning and afternoon slates, the 9 a.m. Pacific and the 12 p.m. Pacific slates, and 
it's leaving a lot to be desired, especially in that late night window where why the Pac-12 network is ruining this stuff. Like it's bad. Like there's there's too many games on Pac-12 network that nobody could watch, and we're being robbed of good late night Pac-12 football. Pac-12 network sucks. Yeah, Networks that, that cover a singular conference usually suck. The Big Ten network sucks. The ACC network is not fun. The SEC network, I'll give props. I actually kind of like the SEC network. Outside I do of too. Fine bomb. No, I like the SEC network too. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they're overstacking certain slates and there being so much left to be desired in the night slate. And then the best thing, yes, Tennessee definitely gets a shout out. The fans, the atmosphere, the everything. But then, of course, Utah, the tributes to Ty Jordan there and low. Very emotional night in Salt Lake City. Thrilled that they were able to get the win for their brothers. And that was a very good thing to see in week seven. And a very dang good week seven. And now week eight has the unfortunate task of trying to follow this up, which is impossible. And the NFL already failed trying to follow up week seven. So there's that too. The NFL sucks. Like, everything about the NFL sucks this year. And I understand this is a college football podcast, but it's also a football podcast. You can't say college football without football. And if you're, I mean, right now, Cooper Rush is putting up an absolute heater. All right, let's not go to the Will Levis comp. Let's uh, go on. (laughs) We'll leave some NFL draft coverage for the week's in the near future and all that but we'll be back with some week eight stuff shortly please make sure to like it subscribe comment below some stuff and we'll see you on next one thank you